You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Pizza Quest is brought to you by Central Milling. Hand-selected grain, expertly milled for passionate bakers. Visit centralmilling.com to learn more. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and I'm here today with Kendall Vanderslice. We've got a, a very interesting and unique show for you today. Uh, as those of you who have been following pardon me, the progression of, of our shows recently, we have expanded the scope of Pizza Quest to be as much about the quest as it is about the pizza. So I'm sure we'll, we'll touch a little bit on pizza today. But what we're really going to touch on is bread. And Kendall is the author of a new book just out called Buy Bread Alone. Uh, it's uh, And so obviously from the title, it's a subject close to my heart. And, uh, and, and unfortunately for me, I was invited by Kendall to write the forward for the book. So I'm in the book a little bit, but it's really her story. And, and I'm going to let her tell us all about it in a second. Just let me, I thought I saw some, just, want, just to preface this, I want to re- read a couple of the, uh, the sort of advanced reviews because I, this book now, most of you were watching. I've not even heard about the book yet because it's only just now out, right? Just come out. Um, but we've got some great, uh, great quotes from, from folks. Uh, I'll just say, I'll read one. <clears throat> it says, in this deeply personal account, baker theologian Kendall Vanderslice explores how baking bread can become a lens through which we understand the Eucharist anew and what it means to allow God to form our lives into a living sacrifice for the life of the world. Be moved, touched, and inspired as you journey with Kendall into the world of artisan bread, embodiment, and what it means to fully embrace your vocation. Well, that's a, that's a lot. And of course, <laughs> Listen, you got the perfect name for an author about what I'm talking about. This is not a pen name, right? This is your real name, right? No, this is my true name. But people ask me all the time if I made up the name. I know, I like, I know. it's like it's like the most perfect no. pen name ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> truly. Um, so, Kendall, um, tell us a little bit about your journey and and uh, you know how you came to write this book. We'll get into some of the deeper topics and issues that you cover in the book, but uh, you know. Just a little, a little background. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, like you, I love bread and have always loved bread. Um, From a really young age, I really loved bread. I went on a couple of field trips in elementary school to different bread bakeries. Um, One was a very small local bread bakery and one was a large like commercial bakery. And I was just fascinated by the movements of the bakers, by kind of the the smells, by everything about baking bread. and as I kind of was in middle school, high school, loved working in the kitchen, loved loved cooking, baking. So when it came time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I realized, oh, this thing I love doing, like maybe that doesn't just have to be a hobby. It can be my it can be my career. Uh-huh. Um, but as I was as I got sort of into my work in, I worked you know in bakery 
season in the restaurant industry. And um, I would on Sundays go from kind of my work at the bakery to church on Sunday afternoon. And I would go and receive communion every single week with bread dough still stuck to my arms. And it started to get me kind of questioning, what does the bread that I bake on Sunday morning have to do with this bread that I'm eating in church on Sunday afternoon? And also like, how does this bread that I bake connect me with kind of a whole like history of bakers, that this bread mm -hmm. is not just, it's a deeply individual thing, but it's also kind of a very communal thing that we have, humans have been eating bread forever and that it's this thing that that kind of connects us. Um, yeah. And so I became super fascinated by the history of bread, kind of the culture around it, the, the actual science of bread baking and kind of how bread itself provides a lens into kind of the larger world outside of just baking it. Well, you really, uh, you know, in, in those words pretty much have, have said exactly the message that I've been saying for, for many years, which is, you know, when you ask the question and I get, when I first did my first bread book, I was asked the question, what is it about bread that makes it yeah. so special? And you just answered that, <laughs> you know, and because you've been sucked down the same rabbit hole as me, the, <laughs> in a sense of spiritual, a good rabbit hole, that, yes. it, that it's a fathomless subject and Absolutely. it works on so many different levels. And so I think by asking the question, what is it about this bread that makes it so unique and special? You know, you have to encounter the, all these levels, which has led you on a kind of an interesting journey, I would say. Because, yeah. You know, as we said at the beginning, you're you're no not just a baker. Now you are a theologian, and uh, which I believe would you got your your uh, doctor divinity from Duke? Was it a, uh, uh, a master's of theological studies Mas at Duke? Duke. Yes, yes. And, and of course, um, uh, the the subtitle of your book, which is a baker's reflections on hunger, longing, and the goodness of God. And I want to talk about those three aspects in particular because really that's what the book's about uh and and the first one being the big one is hunger you know hunger <laughs> yeah. and, and so, so you normally it would be like you know the goodness of god blah, 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 and hunger but you start with hunger <laughs> at the beginning so hunger yeah. seems like it's like it's a recurring theme in your life and 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 again another lens another window through which you can approach this subject yeah yeah so when i when i talk about hunger in the book i do feel the need to clarify that i'm like not talking about hunger as in lack of access to food but rather hunger and just this deep longing for food and love of food um and you know hunger is in in much of my life i experienced a lot of shame around this idea of hunger um this like love of food this desire to eat food and cook food and connect with people over food was always for me seen as this kind of something to be ashamed of um and so learning to see food as something good and joyful and delightful but also something that can has this like power to pull me into relationship with other people um and i believe as a person of faith to pull me into relationship with god that this hunger is not something to be ashamed of but is actually this really beautiful gift that can teach us how to appreciate the joy of food and what food can do yes yeah, like well it kind of goes right to the subject of you know breaking bread and communing Absolutely. Levels and hunger working on many levels, as you said, I, I think that's one of the fascinating things about bread from the get go is, is that is that it's such so transparently uh, works on many different levels. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that's why it's such a fascinating subject for so many people. Um, and uh, and hunger is, again, another metaphor. Yes. Uh, we talk about bread as a metaphor. This is really this book is really a book 
uh, you know, it's a metaphoric journey. <laughs> so yes. many lenses, not just the lens of bread, but but that lens opens up other lenses and deeper lenses. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think even this like. The hunger can be a physical thing, like a hunger physically for food, but it also is kind of this this hunger for connection, this hunger for belonging, this hunger for community. Um, and I think we see that, like, for me, it is very literally kind of bread that has been the thing that has carried me on that journey. But also, I think I'm, I'm not the only one. If we look at kind of... Um, the like the height of the pandemic in 2020 everyone's desire to suddenly bake bread i think there is something about it that like feeds that physical hunger but also the making of it and the sharing it it connects us on this like spiritual communal level that we can't even fully fathom when the pandemic hit were you had you already finished writing the book or were you in the middle of writing the book no so i had actually just finished writing the proposal for the book and what? i was like ready to you know i started shopping it around to agents and and to um to publishers and wasn't getting a lot of interest i was getting a little bit of pushback of like i don't know people are still you know like we've had this like diet conversation has said that bread is bad for so long that I don't think people want a book all about bread. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and so that was kind of the pushback I got at that point. And then, you know, I was wanting to hit on these themes of of loneliness and community and bread. And then pandemic hit and I was like, oh my goodness, this is, I'm just like watching my book live out right now. And so exactly. I set it aside for a little while and then came back to it a few months later and it was a different story. Suddenly publishers were like, Yes, we want people want to understand what happened. Why did everybody suddenly want to make bread? Yeah, if there was, uh, you know, the the irony of that whole pandemic, as bad as it was, is yeah. that uh, you know, where did people turn to first? Did they turn to bread and yeah. uh, and and to bread alone? Buy bread alone. You know, <laughs> Were they, you surprised by that? I was not surprised. Were you surprised? I was validated. I think yes. not oh, surprised, but validated. I think that that you know we've been talking to you and people like you and me, and I've known you for a number of years now. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this among our small little you know coterie of of friends. We did a documentary film together, uh, yeah. you know, about about the, the the role of bread and the importance of bread. So it's not a surprise that that the meaning is sort of getting out there. But it's interesting how it got out there and how all of a sudden. The, the 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 interest and the fact that so many people wanted to make bread at home yeah. and why they chose yeah. that as opposed to you know maybe they did other things like making pasta and making other things but bread there's something about bread that's really yeah. what it comes down to there's something about bread which is why it's the main metaphor the leading metaphor yes. of this book, yes. but it's not the only metaphor in this book um and and um you know you you mentioned yearning and longing and i think that that for me also is a key theme i mean you can't talk about one of these these images without touching on all the others. So I think when you, we talk about communion, when we talk about, you know, uh, coming together or through food and other things, it, 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 it begs the question of what is it that we are longing for? What in your, in your exploration and through the various chapters of the book and the meditations that you've, you know, sort of explore through this, what is it that you've seen? How would you explain what it is that people are longing for? Yeah, I think we're longing for connection and belonging and some sense of something outside of ourselves. I think that like this awareness that our our bodies matter, our connection to kind of the world creation, the material world matter, like that that matters. And also this like longing for something beyond ourselves that can mm -hmm. 
sort of hold us when the world around us feels like it's falling apart. Um, and I think that happens both in our connection to something as tangible and tactile as bread. It happens through our connection with other people where we feel the sense of belonging. And that happens as we eat bread. Um, and then also this connection to kind of something outside of ourselves, like the spiritual, the, the, the spiritual realm in some way. And, you know, I believe that bread is like in my own faith tradition, bread is the primary metaphor that God has given us to connect mm -hmm. with God. And so I think there's something kind of spiritual, communal and physical happening um, that, that we are yearning for all of those things to come together in some way. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, it's it's a an image that exists across all religious traditions. Yeah, yeah. is a is a, a central symbol, and you know, well, it works on as we said on many levels from yeah. the literal. Uh, it, in in one of my talks, I talk about the literal, the poetic or metaphorical, uh, then the philosophical, yes. and then the deepest level of all, which which not everybody gets to or thinks about uh, or is willing to think about. But as a theologian, you must think about it. The deepest level being the mystical. Level, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which which again is divine union with our creator and so tell us a little bit about that theological journey that you've gone on because you went you went to school you you bread took you to the seminary <laughs> it <laughs> did to, it did university <laughs> <laughs> yes well and i i mean i have to give credit to you too that i think your a lot of your writing is the the first that like gave me a the vision of even a possibility of thinking about bread on this theological mystical level that there even could be that seminary could be a place where I could think about bread. It's um, so cool that it worked out that way. For me, yeah. it was the opposite. I started out in <laughs> seminary and then stumbled into bread making and then somehow tried to put those pieces together. So I was like climbing up the rabbit hole while you were like, <laughs> yes, like diving down deeper into, into it. it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm, for me, I am really interested in. Um, interested first in kind of the the imagery that bread plays throughout the throughout the bible um both in kind of the the hebrew texts um that are shared among both you know the jewish and christian tradition and then also in the, in the new testament um looking at kind of what bread is doing and how god is using bread to talk about kind of the world and god's relationship with us um i think that bread provides this image of both um what in christian tradition we would call kind of the brokenness and the goodness of creation um that god created this world called it good um and food is this gift of god where we experience the deep goodness of the created world and our and our sort of relationships with others um and also in kind of the the genesis narrative we have this kind of breakdown of creation that you know adam and eve ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat and then everything falls apart and food is this way of also experiencing kind of the this brokenness this pain that is the reality of this world that we live in that um that you know our 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 eating can connect us to one another but just as easily our eating can divide us from one another you know whether it's food allergies and who can't eat at the table with other people mm -hmm. um or kind of power dynamics of who was not welcome at the table with other people um or like political dynamics of how food is kind of wielded to keep some hungry and help other, you know the, the like on all these different levels food um is this way that we experience the deep kind of aching of the world um and then also in kind of the christian faith this this meal is something that signifies the healing as well that um jesus gives us this meal as a reminder of jesus death and resurrection and also i think 
as something that actually changes our relationships to one another, that when we eat together, it changes the way that we relate to one another. Um, and so that's kind of been my theological journey looking at at food and meals more broadly, but then bread specifically um, also, I think, does so much that it's it's a meal of bread and wine specifically that we are offered. And it's bread that comes up as this image all throughout the story of scripture. And I think bread itself even holds those tensions of kind of the goodness and the brokenness, that bread is what sustains us and bread is what has sustained humanity for most of history, but also like the process of making bread is really, really hard. Like it's pretty easy for us now because we can go to the store and we can buy our flour and it's already ready and we can turn our oven to the temperature that we need. But for most of history, bread has been a very laborious process to mm -hmm. you know, yeah. grow yeah. wheat and harvest it. And all just those tensions are always at play in food, but bread specifically. Yeah. I mean, even just growing the wheat is, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a life and death situation for Absolutely. so many Absolutely. And then to turn that wheat into flour and to turn that flour into bread, it's the series of transformations that take yes. place that lend stuff. But, uh, you know, I've always found it interesting that that the word companion, when broken down into its root, means one with whom you have broken bread, companion yes. bread. So so when you talk about um, who's welcome at the table, uh, I mean, if you're breaking bread with somebody, you're you've welcomed each other, you know, yes. to the table. So what a what an apt image. For that, uh, the third part of this subtitle is uh, it's uh, hunger, longing, and the goodness of God. And I think that's the other thing that uh, is under challenge today. You know, I think that I just read in the paper today, you know, how many uh, young teenagers are despairing. They're experiencing an epic, epidemic level of despair. Um, and that despair really is essentially doubting the goodness of creation. Why, you know, well, my existence is in question. Um, so how does bread, well, you spoke to it a little bit, but you know, how do you see it all played there? And how do we affirm that at a time when life is so full of challenges and evidence to the contrary, yeah, that, that our creator is ultimately good? It's good. Yeah. So again, looking at sort of the theological language that I like to play with. Um, so the title itself of the book by Bread Alone comes from this story in two of the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Um, it's the story of the temptations of Jesus. And so Jesus kind of goes out into the desert. He's fast for 40 days. And the tempter comes to him and gives him a series of temptations, trying to help him, kind of like offering him basically power, this ability to kind of have power over the world. And one of the temptations he gives is turn these stones into bread. And Jesus's response is, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I think it's easy to take that and say kind of this, like this, this physical world, this material world, it's hard, it's bad, we're hungry, it, like, you know, we just need to escape it and only think about kind of the, the spiritual realm or the mm -hmm. mystical realm. But then when we look in um, another one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John, we have this really interesting play with kind of the with the word word and the word bread. Um, so the opening of the Gospel is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Um, so Jesus himself identifies himself as the word. And then skipping ahead, Jesus also says, I am the bread of life that he who comes to me will never go hungry. So Jesus is both the word and the bread. He is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then also the bread that we place in our own mouths so that we can know God on our tongues and in our bellies 
when I think we don't even have, like words can't capture the deep ache and hunger and longing um, that we experience. That I think, you know, when, when the world feels so overwhelming, because it is, um, when God feels so far away because everything is aching, God has offered us this gift of bread and I think that God is present with us in this deeply tangible way um, in the bread that we consume, both kind of the bread that is offered in the, at the communion table, um, but also the bread that we share all throughout, kind of all throughout our lives, that, um, that just the daily bread that we eat, I think God is sharing God's goodness with us in that food that we're eating. Well, we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, I, I want to continue to explore this with you by having you share some of the stories that you that you cover in the book, you know, some of the, <laughs> yes. your adventures and the yeah. journey that you were on from working at Panera and also, you know, all the different things that happened to you that led you, um, you know, through the ups and downs, the vicissitudes, yeah. you know, of life. <laughs> um, uh, but I'll, I, I think that uh, what you just said about those two, those two Bible quotes, it's interesting that, again, it, they they almost they complete themselves in each other. If if man does not live by bread alone, but I am the bread of life. Yeah, then basically, man does live by bread alone. Can, <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you understand <laughs> yes. what bread is in a whole yes, <laughs> yes, that bread is so much more than just bread. There you go. Yes. That's it. Bread is so much more than just bread. With that, <laughs> let's take a break. Join us. We're going to come back in part two with Kendall Vanderslice. We're going to talk more about her new book, Buy Bread Alone, and we're going to hear more about some of the 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 journey you know we always say the pizza quest is a journey of self-discovery through pizza tonight today we're talking about um that pizza quest is a journey of self-discovery through bread and bread alone be right back this episode of pizza quest is brought to you by central milling hand selected grain expertly milled for passionate bakers central milling is the farmer the miller and the baker working together to preserve American farmland for tomorrow while providing the highest quality flour and grains for the bakers of today. Dating back over 150 years, Central Milling is built on generations of knowledge and they know that premium flour starts at the source. Employee-owned, Central Milling works directly with their farmers to sustainably grow grains that have exceptional flavor, nutrient content, color, and baking performance which results in one of the largest selections of premium specialty flour and grains in the country. Hand-selected for the highest baking qualities, milled, cracked, or blended slowly to minimize heat generation, then bake-tested for performance. Learn more about Central Milling and their products at centralmilling.com. We're back with Kendall Vanderslice uh, talking about buy bread alone. Uh, which uh, we in part one, we kind of explored what that title means and the implications of it. But there's more to it than that, because you've you've lived, uh, you know, a life of a journey. You've been on your own quest, <laughs> quest yes. for meaning and a quest for purpose. And uh, and those things don't happen, you know, just through through meditation and thinking about it, imagination alone. <laughs> The literal life that you've lived has led you uh, through ups and downs. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, because you talk about longing, you talk about yeah. uh, hunger. I mean, these are things that evoke, you know, challenges. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that, that kind of propelled your journey? 
Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, I was a, um, a dancer growing up. I was a ballerina, um, so trained in classical ballet, um, which means that kind of growing up, my relationship to food was very, very strained, that um, food was something kind of to battle against. Food was something to, uh, my hunger was something to suppress. Mm. Um, and so my relationship to food was really was just a really negative one as much as I enjoyed it. Um, and so when I quit ballet, bread suddenly became this thing that was um, I was allowed to eat again. Yeah. And also the actual physicality of baking bread became kind of this thing that offered me um, you know, one of the things I loved about dance so much was like you just are so connected to your body that you're kind of deeply inhabited in your body and the movements of your body. And baking bread felt very similar, that there's kind of this choreography to it, that your body has to know, like your mind can't fully understand what you're feeling, but somehow your body has to know, your nose has to know kind of these, these movements and changes that are happening in the bread. Wow. And so bread became kind of this way of reconnecting to my body and a healthier relationship to food after that experience kind of in the dance world. Um, yeah, but but then I had a very strange kind of entry into professional baking. Um, so, you know, so? most people, I think, either start in culinary school or in in a restaurant. But um, I started on a ship in West Africa. Oh, yeah. uh, was my, my <laughs> entry into baking as a as a job. Um, so I took a gap year after high school um, to work for an organization called Mercy Ships. It's a hospital ship that operates off the coast of West Africa. And most kids who are doing a gap year to go there, it's because they want to go into a career in medicine in some way. And this is an interesting way to kind of um, experience, you know, medicine in a very different context. Um, but I wanted to bake. And so I went to the ship and I baked bread um, or, well, mostly actually cookies and muffins and and, and those sorts of things. Um, but we That's had a small like- kitchen to work in, a, <laughs> a, a small kitchen on a ship. Oh yeah, it was, I mean, you know, I was, well, right off the bat, everything was in, you know, um, all of our like temperatures were in Celsius and all of our like, you know, mm. weights and measurements were metric measurements. So all of a sudden as an 18 year old who had only ever like baked in my home in the States, right. it was a, a huge learning curve of, you know, I, I had to teach myself how to kind of translate everything. <laughs> how many grams in a cup? <laughs> yes, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then on top of that, you know, we had like, we would get two shipments a month of um, ingredients, one from the United States and one from the Netherlands, everything else from that, it was what we could acquire, you know, on, on shore. Um, and at one point we were in this like, 14 day sail from um Cotonou Benin up to the Canary Islands for the holidays. So everyone's wanting Christmas cookies and we run out of butter and we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's no way to get butter, you know. So you can't I can't milk had a to, cow on the ocean. Can't milk a cow <laughs> on the ocean, no. Um, so I was tasked with kind of figuring out all of the different alternatives of what we could do to make Christmas cookies without butter. And so kind of my culinary education became these Google searches of, of like recipe alterations that we can make based on what we could get in these very strange environments. And that is what first got me really interested in kind of the chemistry of baking and thinking about how different, um, different ingredients work differently. You mentioned that there was uh, some of the ingredients came from from the Dutch side. From, yes, mm -hmm. and, and isn't Vanderslice a Dutch name also? <laughs> wait, wait, is there it any is. in there? <laughs> so it 
it is as far as it is a very very americanized dutch name so as far as we're aware kind of our our closest dutch relatives came to the united states in like the 17th century so very little connection i was very proud of my dutch heritage when i was on the ship i had several dutch friends and i would tell uh -huh. them like I have a Dutch background too. My name, Vanderslice. And they would yeah. kind of look at it. Right, <laughs> and then they really? would look at it again and they were like, I guess I could see how that, yeah. <laughs> well, but it went again, you talk about sort of uh, searching for connection and, you know, just to be able to, be able to connect with people through yeah. your own, you know, heritage and name. Uh, it's, a, it's a start. It's a start. It is. And then, it is. And then, and then uh, who would have thought through cookies and butter and then ultimately... <laughs> The so bread. All these relationships would be formed. Yeah. So you so you got off the 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 ship. You you had this yeah. your experience. Where did it take you then? Yeah. So um, I went on to a small liberal arts college just outside of Chicago, um, and I was kind of not sure what I was doing there. I just wanted to work in the kitchen and was kind of like, why am I taking my time back in school? I just had this great experience where. You know, we were very clearly helping people every single day. Um, it felt almost selfish to be in school and just kind of exist, you know, working in my mind. Um, but in that time, I was diagnosed with um, something called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. This is a hormone disorder that about one in five women experience. Really? Um, and it affects Can you say our, it again? Say, say the name of that again? Yeah, polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Wow. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it, it affects kind of many different hormones. But one of the things that it does is it affects our body's ability to respond to insulin. Um, oh. And so a lot of women that have this end up um, pre-diabetic and eventually diabetic. And so mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, in this season of wanting to build a career in baking and pastry and then suddenly was told don't eat any sugar don't eat any flour don't eat you know just don't eat carbs carbs yeah <laughs> my entire career plan is built around you know eating carbs making carbs um so i went through a few years of trying to bake using all alternative ingredients um so you know this was kind of before you could you could you were just starting to get to be able to buy gluten-free stuff in the grocery store yeah um but like there were not you know I, I there was very little um and so i was learning how to use different you know almond flour flax seeds um and you know different different kinds of like black bean flour peanut flour right um, alternative ingredients all these alternative Wheat. ingredients yeah. Yeah, to wheat, and then also alternatives to sugar. Um, I would yeah. use a lot of agave because, you know, I was told it didn't impact your, like, your insulin quite as much. And so that became kind of the second phase of learning more about the chemistry of baking because suddenly, you know, the the things that I'm relying on, yeah. like, I can't use, and so I have to learn, like, you know, what, how do all these different flowers work, and how do you make something good out of those? Um, and so that was kind of my my college years. But then I also I was studying anthropology um, and became introduced to the anthropology of food as kind of a field and realized like my love of food doesn't just have to be something that's done in the kitchen. I can also study food in this kind of historical cultural sense and what food yeah. does. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of the next step of my journey that really shaped you know how i how i approach food so so that kind of got you into gastronomical journey yes, yes. did you did you end up going to boston university i did yes for that for gastronomy i did for, yep mm -hmm. for, so, for gastronomy well that makes it, it makes perfect sense in terms of the, the journey that that would be the next step for you then. yes 
Yeah, well, and that was even sort of accidental. I really thought that after college, I was going to go to culinary school. I was like, finally, I'm going to, you know, do this, um, like take this next step, go to culinary school, start working in, in restaurants. Um, and in that time, my my parents moved to Boston. Um, they had been living in St. Louis. They moved to Boston. I had told them, you know, I'm an adult now. I'm not going to follow you wherever you go. Um, <laughs> and I went once to go visit them and fell in love with the city. So I ended up moving there. And then after moving there, I was registered for culinary school. Um, I received an email that was kind of outlining what my student loan payment would be after graduating and i completely panicked and i realized like i can go to culinary school but then i can't afford to work in the restaurant industry afterwards and that like you know that that's a dilemma for a lot of culinary students yeah yeah um and on that same day i learned about the gastronomy program at boston university and I realized, um, you know, overall, it was going to be cheaper than culinary school. It was going to be a little bit more spread out. I could work while I was doing it. Um, and it fit, like, I could take culinary classes, but also I yeah. could, you know, take all of these other classes. And so um, I, like, the day before I was supposed to start culinary school, I called and withdrew and um, took a year working in the restaurant industry. I, I, I worked for a restaurant kind of near my parents' house, and the chef there really took me under his wing and, you know, just did an incredible job, you know, training. Um, and so then I started my work at Boston University a year later. Um, and it wow. was it was really the right fit for me. Yeah, Boston, Boston University is where I went to college also. So oh, I didn't a, know that. a number of years before you. Yeah, I was in the <laughs> film school there, the communication uh, okay. film. And uh, they didn't have the gastronomy program. Then years yeah. later, when I, when I ended up back at, at Johnson & Wales University uh, in Providence, we discovered that they had the gastronomy program there. Yes. I thought, oh, man, I wish I had known about that back, or I wish they had had it back then when I was there. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool program. I'm really grateful for it. So that, in a, in a way, kind of gets you more into an academic mode. Uh, yes. And, uh, and you know, again, uh, connecting to to food and to bread in particular, you know, in an, on another level than just mm-hmm. the baking, but still, you were still baking. Also. Yes, I was still baking. I was still baking. Yeah. So part of kind of some of what really led to some of these more questions, historical, cultural questions were as I was working through working with these doctors, trying to figure out the best, you know, diet for me to eat, um, all of their different recommendations seemed to conflict with one another. And so I was kind of mm-hmm. then trying to understand like, you know, if, if if we look back historically at how people have been eating, can that give us some insight into what might be like good for our bodies? And so at that time, I was determined to find out kind of what is the right way to eat, assumed like there was a one right way and I just yeah. needed to figure it out. And so yeah. I thought like if I explore historically, if I look kind of culturally, if I look like in the Bible, will I get sort of a sense of what is the right way to eat that's good for my body, that tastes good? that's good for the people who prepare food, that's good for kind of the earth and the actual farming and cooking process. Um, so I was kind of on this quest to find like the right way to eat. You were you were, you were looking for the theory of everything. <laughs> I was, yes, yes. Um, and of course, in the end realized like it's a lot more complicated than that that um that i think i think part of what drew me constantly back to this theological approach to food was that um it it provided us with this structure of holding together again this goodness and brokenness of creation that there is no one right way to eat that that our food always does this really like it is good it tastes good it draws us together and at the same time we always experience 
the ways that, you know, I would say like creation is broken, that the things are not as they're meant to be, that that mm. what is good will also carry with it some sort of like pain or or harm in some capacity. Um, and so wow. instead, I think we can look at how, you know, we can study how food builds community, how it tells stories, we can study the stories behind the foods, and we can see the beauty in food. And also we can see that reality of kind of that, that complexity of food at all times. And that actually to me is much more beautiful than just trying to kind of find this like one right way to eat. Um, and so that's, that is kind of how I wound up at Boston University in this process, I did find some doctors who were able to help me sort of um, regulate my health in such a way that I was able to, you know, bake bread again. Um, but in that process is how kind of I discovered like sprouted wheat baking and, you know, ah. really got into these much longer fermentation baking. And um, that is what really pulled me specifically to bread, realizing Amazingly like, parallel to what was going on in the bread world. You, yeah. there's all this knowledge was there before it was coming. It was almost as if it was being developed as you needed it. Yes, like, it really was. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember saying, so like when I was high school, when I was, when I was dancing, um, you know, I was told to eat like the sprouted wheat, the Ezekiel 4-9 bread. That's kind of like the bread that I was allowed to eat at various times. So I had heard of the goodness of, of kind of sprouted grains, but I remember like it was my last year of undergrad that I found a bag of sprouted wheat flour at Whole Foods. And it was like, I, I had never, I don't think it had existed before that time, really. And when was this? Did this would have been 2012 or 2013. Were you living in Durham by then, or were you still somewhere? No, else? I was in the Chicago area at that time. Because you're in Durham now, right? You live I in am Durham, in Durham now. You ended up at Duke, but um, uh, but then there you are, living now, just a few miles from where that's yeah, where it all milled at Lily Mills. You know. Yes, I mean, I had no idea until I read your book on the sprouted wheat that that Lindley had helped developed that process and they're now great friends of mine and i use their oh, sprouted good. flowers all the time and such a, awesome. a wild small world who would have thought that that journey would bring me back here well there's no coincidences in the world <laughs> that's uh, right before that's we right. run out of time though you know so you, your your dietary crisis so to speak this this condition that that yet was one crisis that forced you to yeah. again adjust your life and breakthrough where you took you you took a a challenge and turned it into a stepping stone can you tell us one more one more yeah. sort of tra uh, travail you know so yeah, to speak. yeah. another crisis that was a turning point for you yeah uh, that led you because ultimately you've started something called edible theology right yeah. edibletheology.com but so, so what how yeah. did you what, what else got you there? That had to be some some more crises moments. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there were there were multiple. Um, but I think the biggest one that led to where I am now. So um when I when I came down to Duke after I graduated from Duke with my MTS, I still wanted to keep baking, but um I didn't feel like I could go back into kind of the restaurant world. I I had a pretty difficult sort of end to my time working in the restaurant world, and I didn't want to go back into professional kitchens. But I wanted to bake. So I ran a community supported bakery, CSA style yeah. bakery. Yeah. Um, and I launched it kind of fall of 2019. The vision was that I would partner with churches as pickup spots, that I would bake their bread that they would use in communion, and then people would bring their bread home and eat that bread throughout the week. So it'd be kind of this theological like connection of the communion table to the kitchen table. Um, 
it, but I would still be getting to actually bake bread. And then it would provide me kind of the time and the space to write as well. Um, so I was like, this is like the perfect vision of all the things that I want to do held together. Um, and then, of course, a few months later, less than six months later, the pandemic hits. Um, all these churches have closed down. So kind of right. my pickup spots have closed down. And so there was a, a period of time in the midst of the pandemic where it actually I got to bake a ton because people were wanting that connection. And this provided that sense of connection. Um, and I was able to bake for a lot of food pantries in the area that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, but as as I think so many different businesses, especially as the pandemic wore on, it was like, how, how we can't keep pivoting. I'm hitting a point where my body is exhausted. My, you know, my bank account is exhausted that I cannot keep pivoting and I don't know what is next and what's gonna come next. Um, and then at the end of 2020, I lost access to my kitchen space. And it was kind of this like oh. this thing that was exactly what I wanted. All of a sudden, I couldn't do it anymore. And it had felt so significant in that year. But also that year had made it kind of impossible to go on. Um, and so at the end of 2020, I made the choice to close this CSA down. Um, and I had kind of two months runway to figure out what was next. And I had this book in mind. I really wanted to write this book. I had kind of all these other curriculum in mind that I wanted to help other people sort of explore the role of food in scripture, um, in community, and help kind of build community around the table. Um, and so I had a two-month runway, and I was like, well, I'm going to write the first of this curriculum. It's a program called Bake with the Bible. It looks at, you know, six different stories of bread in the Gospels, and we'll just see what happens. So I closed the bakery. A month later, I released this curriculum. And it, this edible theology just took off. Um, and so, so is edible theology, the platform through which that curriculum is made available to people? It is. Yes. So we are actually a nonprofit. So it's an educational nonprofit. Um, and our vision is to help, you know, people build community around the table. And so the curriculum, we now have two curriculum, Bake with the Bible, um, and one called Worship at the Table, um, that are meant for families or individuals or small groups to kind of go through together to think about how do we build better community through food. So for people who want to follow up on this, go yeah. to edibletheology.com. Yes, that's it. And, and, uh, and also, um, you know, you can read all about these various adventures that led Kendall on her, on her own journey. I'll call it your journey of self-discovery, <laughs> brew bread, uh, you know, uh, in, in the new book, By Bread Alone which uh, I, if I'm holding a copy, I'm, has it actually yeah. come it out? Released, it released yesterday. Yesterday. So yesterday, what, February 28th. So we're doing this interview today on March 1st. So it came out on the last day of February uh, and it's now finally officially available right yes. through Amazon or bookstores everywhere. Amazon bookstores everywhere. Barnes and Noble should have it in store, um, but it's, all over the place online. It's really beautifully written book. Oh, it's full of you. wonderful, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's relatable stories. You know, you're talking about your your journey, but your journey parallels the journey of so many others. Nobody's yeah. had a life that's been free of, you know, uh, yeah. crises and and tra travails and and overcoming and and, and it's ultimately, in a sense, um, transforming ourselves. You know, through 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 hardship. You know, yeah. into breakthroughs. And yeah. so, really, it's a book about I think in a lot of ways about breakthroughs, about resilience. Uh, and about finding the light at the end of the tunnel, yes, you know, yeah. in a literal and metaphorical sense. So, <laughs> um, you know, I thank you so much for writing it and for allowing me to participate and, you know, and contribute to the book. Uh, uh, it was an honor to even write, you know, just a couple of pages, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of the book. It was and, such an honor to have you write it. Thank you so much. As, as I'm sure you, you see in the pages, you contributed in so many other ways and the ways that your work has really shaped my thinking. So well, I love seeing other people 
um, uh, finding, you know, commonality. You yeah. Know, in a way, we've we 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 have something very you know in common. It's it's a small community that of people that are that are both interested theologically and literally in bread. Uh, yeah. But it's growing community, and yeah. uh, and in fact, uh, you know, this is not the only book this year that's coming out on the similar subject. Uh, and so we're going to be seeing, I think, more people sharing, you know, their journey stories. Uh, and I think that for anybody who's, you know, yearning and ultimately longing and yearning, I think, are you know really powerful motives for all of us because what is it that we are longing for? It's something that's just always just out of reach. And um, and and yet with within reach. Yeah. And so, you know, again, Kendall, thanks so much for for writing the book, for um, for sharing your story. And what where, where does it go from here? You've got you've got the, the curriculum and the website. Are you are you still baking and are you baking for for people? Um, just for friends right now. I have, I call it kind of Friday bread with bread for friends <laughs> where, um, bread every bread. now and then I'll email a handful of friends and say, here, I've got these loaves this week. Would you like some? Um, but yeah, I do have another, another book in the works. That's more recipes. So also a lot of baking for that. There are, there are a few recipes in this book. There right? are a few recipes in this one, but there will be many more on the next one. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's end with one other thing. I want to ask you about strudel. <laughs> yes. strudel. strudel is my beagle um, the beagle. Is, yes, yes I'm amazed, the beagle. i am amazed that he has not contributed to this podcast at all oftentimes we will hear him i was kind of hoping he would make an appearance you know at some point i know my cat's on the other side of the door here wanting to come in you know oh yeah no he he's taken a nap he's really lazy today but um strudel is my my dear dear beagle he loves bread a little bit too much perhaps even more than me he steals it off the counter all the time really <laughs> he's a very mischievous little pup. You have to say, you have to tell, tell, remind Strudel of the first part of the story, not by bread yes. alone. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You and truly say, do not love my bread alone. What it is by bread alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kendall, it's been great talking with you and catching up and, and uh, hearing about, you know, how things are going for you and, and seeing the manifestation, you know, of your first book and knowing now that you're working on a second book, which is even more fantastic. So can't wait to see that one. Yeah. Thank are you, you so much. You're focusing a lot on sprouted grains and things in that book. Um, no, that one is going to be looking more kind of, it's more a little bit historical, looking at different um, breads from different um, religious holidays kind of around the world and how they've developed. Oh, it's like celebration breads and things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. Fantastic. Oh, wonderful. Well, good luck with all of that. Thank uh, you. Let me know, let me know uh, if, if when you get, when you're ready to, to talk about it on, on air, you know, we'll, Absolutely. Get, you, we'll, we'll get you back and um, uh and then say hello to the Lindley. So you're, you're like you are. You're down the road from Lindley Mills, I am. Uh, which is where really one of the epicenters of the sprouted flower movement. And uh, and I'm glad that, that that all kind of came into your life when you needed it the most. So. Oh, me too. Me too. All right, Kendall. Kendall Vanderslice joining us today on Pizza Quest. She's been on a bread quest. Uh, and uh, again, her book, Buy Bread Alone. Uh, it's uh, Tyndale Press. And you can find it booksellers everywhere. And if your bookstore doesn't have it, ask them to order it for you. Kendall, thanks so much. Have a wonderful journey as it continues. Thank you so much, Peter. You too. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.